0: Hallelujah. You know, we've been on a series here for a few weeks and, um, um, and Jerry just asked me to minister some things. And so it's taken a few weeks to get it out. And so I, I'm grateful to all of you that keep coming back and especially to you that are coming back, hoping it's Jerry up here instead of me and not leaving when you find out it is me. Cool. (laughs) Amen. But, um, We've been doing a series, and we started out with this scripture in Psalms 34, verse 8. And the scripture in Psalms 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. So there's a command in here. There's a command in there. And he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And you think about it. That is a command from the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good and then once you do the command, you get the promise that says blessed because you can't taste and see the Lord and not trust in him. And he says, so then there's a there's something that's going to happen for you. You will be empowered to prosper when you taste and see that the Lord is good. And Pastor Jerry led up do this with two weeks of talking about how God is good. God is good all the time. There is no shadow. There's no variation. There's no turning in God. God is always good. He is absolutely good. There is nothing evil in God. There is nothing bad in God. There is no harm in God. There is no wishful damage that He wants to do to you in Him. Ever. Absolutely nothing. He gave His all for you. Amen. Amen. But then we began to talk about this thing called sin. And when we were talking about sin, we looked at what the Hebrew word in pictures was. And in Hebrew, um, there's multiple words, but it comes down to this. In Hebrew, the word sin is a wall meant to divide. A wall meant to divide. And that's why we have this wall up here, because what sin is, is a wall meant to divide, a wall to separate. And one of the things it says it separates us from is the breath of God. And we know that our existence is dependent on God breathing on us, God having breath for us. And so this sin is a divider, a separator. Now, we also learn this fact, that sin is comprised of two things, doing what's wrong, or not doing what's right. And we learned and understood that sometimes the sin of idleness is as much wall building as doing the wrong thing. Understand this the enemy isn't concerned about the sin, he's enthusiastic to get a wall between you and God. So, whatever will work on you. To get a wall between you and God is exactly where the enemy is going to entice you. He wants to get a wall between you and God. And so we have to understand this, that this enemy is provoking, he is enticing, he is a seducer, and what he's trying to do is get us to do the wrong thing or get us to not do the right thing. Because if he has been successful in either of those, there is a wall between us and God. And we recognize this when we saw this in the garden that Adam went to hiding. Adam went to hiding. He went to hiding behind a wall. He went to hiding behind a wall. He didn't want the magnitude of God reaching his heart anymore. And understand this, when Adam sinned, it never changed the goodness of God. God is still good. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the only thing the enemy can do to get us away from the goodness of God is get a wall and a barrier in our life where that is goodness is not breathing on us, and there becomes an expectation, the Word says, of fiery judgment rather than of the mercy of the Lord. And for most people in the body of Christ, they have more of an expectation of judgment than mercy. Even though they say mercy, they hope for mercy, they count on mercy, when it gets down to it, they avoid the presence of the Lord because they're expecting judgment out of Him. When all along, the mercy of God is weightier than the judgment of the Lord. Hence the reason we're all still here today. Exactly, exactly, because God is more eager to be merciful than he is to be judgmental, all right? So we went through all of that one, one week about what sin looks like, what it is, what it isn't, but the understanding was to understand that the enemy is simply looking for a way to build this wall higher and higher and higher in our life because with that wall built, The blessing is outside the wall, and if we turn and hide in here, then we are separated from the blessing. Isn't it interesting that more people would rather hide in the curse than come clean in God? Isn't it interesting? More people would like to hide in the curse than come out and come clean before God. Hallelujah. Chew on it a bit, huh? All right, then the next week we talk about the Holy Spirit's ministry in this whole thing. And what the Holy Spirit's ministry was, was to convict a people of sin. So we understand that the Holy Spirit is not a hard taskmaster incriminating you and and beating on you. Instead, he is a gentleman with nudges to say, don't do that, go this way helping us all along the way. He's just nudging us and nudging us and nudging us. The Holy Spirit is nudging us. He's not looking to demean you and to dismantle you by correction. He is looking for a way to keep you out from eye ho- out from behind the wall that divides you from God. The Holy Spirit is there to quicken us what is right and what is wrong. And we understand that the word to convict literally just means to bring light, illumination, and understanding. Sometimes we don't know what we're doing is wrong. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's set there to say, don't do that, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Not because he's a hard taskmaster of do's and don'ts, but instead what his ministry is, is to keep us in the blessing. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to keep us in the goodness of God, out from behind the walls that would separate us from God. So we should welcome any unction, any utterance, any nudge that the Holy Spirit would give in our life. Incidentally, conviction is something the Holy Spirit does. Man is not capable of convicting without God. Man is not capable of it. So we should let the convicting be left to the ministry of the Holy Spirit rather than to us. Amen? Hallelujah. It is His ministry and not ours. And when we try to convict, it becomes a battle of opinion because the level of conviction that the Spirit works on everybody is different. Amen? All right? So what happens, though, if we repeatedly then, we talked about, don't follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit? What happens if we repeatedly don't follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Then what happens to us is a thing called a seared conscience. And we talked about that last week, how our conscience can get seared and how our conscience gets seared is from not following what the Holy Spirit wants us to do repeatedly. And then we talked about how that conscience gets seared and branded and we no longer feel. We don't feel. We don't feel conviction anymore because our conscience is seared and burnt and it doesn't even feel anymore. You know, you can get to the place where your conscience is seared about going to the house of God. You can, get, you can get to the place where your conscience is seared about any activity of the Spirit. You can get seared where your conscience is seared about prayer time, about, about your marriage, about anything. You can get your conscience seared about it by refusing to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying repeatedly. When the Holy Spirit is telling you, respect that man, respect that man, respect that man, and you keep refusing to respect that man, pretty soon you find him unrespectable. And your conscience is seared, and regardless of what he does, in your eyes, he's, he's not respectable. See, because a conscience can get seared, and it doesn't feel, when all along the Holy Spirit is quickening, and he's trying to prompt, and he's trying to help. And he's trying to do things to keep us in the blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are after getting rid of this barrier. Huh. All right. We are after that. You know, and so we don't, we don't. Now, I want you to every time that you encumber sin in your life, see this wall. See this wall and understand God's existence and His goodness is outside this wall. And see yourself understanding this, that the endeavor is to get outside of the wall, not restrained by the wall. Run to God, not from God. Amen? Hallelujah. Don't hide in the curse. Okay, starting today then with some new scriptures and new things, I want to go first off to John chapter 14. How many of you believe that the ministry of Jesus was successful? How many of you believe He did things right? How many of you believe He was without failing? He was without shortcoming. He was without without any problems in His ministry. Jesus was. Now, we're going to look at that today a little bit about his ministry so that we get an understanding of exactly the level and the depth of what God wants to do for us. So we see here in John chapter 14, 30, Jesus talking with his disciples. He says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Now, when... I read that scripture for years. I read this scripture, I'll no longer talk much with you for the rule of this world is coming and he has nothing on me. Is the way I read it. Like, the devil has nothing on me. I'm guiltless, I'm innocent, I'm sinless. He has nothing on me. But I notice it doesn't say he has nothing on me. He said he has nothing in me. Nothing in me because the devil can use a false accusation on you, but if he can't get it in you, he's still powerless, right? All right? So the barrier that Jesus knew he had to keep down was what was going on in him, what was going on in him. See, this wall of division is not an external thing about everything that's happening around us. This wall, a division, is about what's going on inside of us. What's going on inside of us. And it's amazing to me, everyone knows just how close they are to God. Everyone personally knows how close they are to God. They know how effective their prayer life is. They know how obedient they've been. They know if they've got his ear. Everybody knows exactly where they're at with God. And what the endeavoring to do here today is to get us to the place that we move past where we are aware we are into closer and tighter communion with him. Tighter and closer communion with him. You know, 1 Peter 2 tells us that he committed no sin. It tells us in other passages of Scripture that he pleased the Father. It tells us that he only did what he saw the Father do. It tells us that he only spoke what he heard the Father say. All these things were connections and communions with Jesus. So the reason for his success, if I could say it that way, the reason for his productivity or his ability to bear fruit was not because of anything short of, it's because the inner man in him never lost connection with his God, with his Father. He never lost a connection. There was never a wall between he and God. And so the clue that we have on this, on how this happened, if we go over to John chapter 17, in verse number 19, Jesus says this, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Now that word sanctified is one of those Christian words, isn't it? Wonder what it means, you know. Sanctified, just say sanctification, consecration, dedication, illumination, revelation. And I don't know about the hoopation. You know what I mean? So We're going to look a little bit today on this, what this word to sanctify means. Because I believe this sanctifying was the key to Jesus' success. This word sanctify means to separate from profane things and to dedicate to God. It means to purify, acknowledge holy, but it also means to appoint to a holy, sacred use. So what that tells me is there was a separation that Jesus experienced. But the separation was not internally separating him from God, but instead what the separation was is separating himself from anything that was not of God. And that's what sanctification is. See, sanctification is two pieces. Sanctification is getting yourself away from what is not godly and connecting yourself to what is of God, all right? So this sanctification, set apart from God and connect to something that is of God. And if you think about that, then we understand this wall comes when we're not living sanctified life. Because if I am separate from anything that is not God, I won't sin. In fact, the word says he cannot sin. Okay? So what we're looking to do is to build a separation in our life from everything that is not of God. You know, um, a few weeks ago, I think it was... um, I was driving home one day after work here and and we'd had a good prayer time and things like that and some things about this were stirring in me and the spirit of the Lord interrupted me on the way home and he said this to me. Much of the church, actually he said most of the church, most of the church does not know how to live holy and sanctified lives. Most of the church does not know how to live holy and sanctified lives. And um, I began to understand that what it is, is, and I didn't know how to put the words on it, and Jerry and I heard this statement the other night, and I thought this was so good. Most people's Christianity is a Christianity of admission and not addition, excuse me, addition and not submission. They want to add God to their existing life, but the thought is not how to submit to God's life. It was, and it's a Christianity of addition and not submission, okay? And so what we have to understand is we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are a unique people in the earth. We are not common. Birth within us is the power of the Almighty. Planted in us is the light and the life of God. Resonating within us is the ability of God that mankind has need of. And more and more as we live sanctified lives, we will see more and more of it come forth. We have to understand who we are. Don't think of yourself as ordinary. Don't think of yourself as a struggle looking for somewhere to spill. Think of yourself as birthed by God, groomed by God, and useful for God. Think of yourself much mightier than you are currently thinking because we are called to be sanctified. We are called to be separated because God is hungry for a people that can demonstrate himself in the earth. He doesn't have anybody but the church that is willing to be that person. That's all he's got. Amen? You know, we would like to think that, you know, Saul on his road to Damascus experienced, you know, the light shone, he falls off the horse, who are you, Lord, blah, blah, blah. We would like to count on those encounters happening to multitudes of people, and we could just get on with our life. But that is not the way majority... How many of you got saved that way? Not a single soul in this house got saved by knocked off your horse. See, that's the out of the ordinary. And God wants us to be the people of extraordinary that bring this to a lost and dying world. Amen? So anyway, Father, help me know where to go on this. Let's go, um, we're going to mix this up a little bit. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. We're going to go through some scriptures here just for some clarification. 1 Corinthians 6, verses, verse 9. And it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I could just say there and you'd say, I qualify for that, I qualify for that, I qualify for that. I That's not where we're stopping. And such were some of you. Were. Were. That means no longer. All right? But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I want to say this. If you were, don't be it anymore. If you were, don't be it anymore in the church. Just don't be it. The power of God is enough to keep you out of all of that, right? But he says there is three stages of what happened to you. You were washed, you were sanctified, and you will be justified. And what that says is you were washed, meaning get it off of you. God's going to get it off of you. Then he's going to sanctify you, meaning he's going to move you and reposition you. And then he's going to justify you as if it was never there in your life ever. That's what he wants to do. He wants to wash you, get it off of you. He wants to sanctify you, move you out of it. And then he wants to justify you and declare it never was there. Amen. That's his MO on sanctification. All right. So let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's going to get better. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 20 says, But in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. So he tells us we have to cleanse ourselves from the latter. Now you have to understand there is going to be vessels of gold, silver, clay, wood. There's all kinds of vessels, and they're all useful. You know, they're all useful. You know, so um, don't say, well, you know, one is more useful, one is more useful. I tell you what, if um, if I'm wanting to stir a pot of soup, I'd rather have a wooden spoon than a wedding ring of gold right? So every vessel is useful, okay? So don't sit here and say, well, I'm not gold. I'm not precious. I'm not. No, every vessel, every utensil is useful for a particular purpose. Amen? So um, it says, though, if you'll cleanse yourself from the latter, what is the latter he's talking about? He's talking about the dishonor. He's talking about the dishonor. If you'll cleanse yourself from the latter, and if you look in that previous scripture, he says some for honor and some for dishonor. Cleanse yourself from the dishonor. What is the dishonor? Dishonor is reproach, disgrace, whatever constitutes a stain or blemish on the reputation of. See, we're not talking about our reputation. We're talking about the Lord's reputation here. So if you will cleanse yourself from doing anything that dishonors God, you will be a vessel for honor and ready for the master's use. Hallelujah. So it's going to take this sanctifying, it said, to get us out of the place that we're not doing anything that damages God's reputation, that puts a black eye on God's reputation. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to cleanse ourselves from it. Let's go over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Hallelujah. It says in verse 23, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't I say that? I messed up. Will you forgive me? 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Thank you for the correction. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying he's able to set us apart completely. Body, soul, soul and spirit hallelujah he's coming back for a glorious church and it says and be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ now the interesting thing about this this word blameless means to be uh, without censor or it means without walls He says, I want to sanctify you so much that your whole body, soul, and spirit at the coming of the Lord, there's no walls keeping God out. There's no walls keeping God out. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and not just talking about a future event, but a daily encounter. That there is nothing in me that holds God back. There's nothing in me that restrains him because I'm preserved blameless. I'm preserved to be one without any walls between me and God. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Amen. But it starts out with the word now. Hmm. Now. So what, what is he talking about when? Go back to verse 22. Abstain from every form of evil abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace. Now may the God of peace. See, there is an activity we have to do, but what we have to do is set ourselves in a place of submission to him that when we're trying to tackle things that are sin or demonic or wall building in our life. Instead, what we do is we submit to Him and we pull on His strength because one of the things about not having walls is the breath of God, which is the grace of God, that empowerment from God comes to us and we're able to abstain from every form of evil. Amen? We're able to get out of it. We're able to get out of it. Remember that scripture last week? With every temptation... He's able to give you a way of escape that you can bear. Amen. So why, why is this sanctification? Why is this setting aside of these things? Why is it of, of refusing those things in our life so important? Let's go to Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews. That's right. Did I say the right one? Hebrews. Hebrews. At our house, he always brews because she doesn't make, she doesn't brew. Amen. No coffee. I made coffee for Jerry once. I was going to be a blessing. I was going to be a good wife. And I was going to make coffee for him. So I made him a pot of coffee. And he told me I didn't ever have to do it again. <laughs> I don't drink this stuff. I don't drink this stuff. So praise the Lord. I didn't taste it. I don't even know what it's supposed to taste like. But all I, all I got was a release from an assignment. Hallelujah. Verse 11, it says here on chapter 2 of Hebrews, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now think about that. God is separating you to himself because he wants to be so joined and so united to you. God is more earnest to be connected to us than we are connected to him. He has got a greater appetite to be one with us than we are aware of to be one with him. I can prove that. He gave it all. He gave it all to establish a connection for us. He gave Jesus. And sometimes we don't want to give 15 minutes of sleep. Do you understand what I mean? He gave it all so we could have a connection to him. He is hungry to be one spirit with us. He is hungry for us to resemble him. He is hungry to make us all that we could be. He is hungry to make us free. He is hungry to be our guide. He is hungry to be our father. He is hungry to be our leadership. He is hungry to be our government. He is hungry to be in our life. He is hungry to bless us. He is hungry to empower us. He is hungry to bless us beyond what we could ever imagine. He's hungrier for it than we are hungry ourselves. He is so hungry. God is so hungry for humanity that he stepped down out of heaven where everything was peachy keen, stepped into an earth that was already cursed to find a way to alleviate the curse so those people could get to the place of living with him forever in total and complete blessing. He is so hungry for it. If we don't understand the gravity of what sin and the curse was trying to do on our life, we'll never fully appreciate the, the sacrifice Jesus made. See, it's not about living in this life in existence that I'm comfortable with. It's about understanding who you've been made to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's think about this sanctification thing. It's about being set apart for God. It's about being set apart and useful for him. We saw that in Timothy. We we see that he wants to set us apart so that we're a people without any walls between us and God. He he wants to do all these things for us. Um, And we need to understand this. Sanctification is not necessary in heaven. There's nothing to be set apart from. The ultimate sanctification will happen to you when you depart this earth and go to heaven. But once you get there, there is no sanctification necessary. So that tells me that sanctification is an earthly ministry. It's an earthly process. It's got earthly purpose. Sanctification has earthly purpose. Being born again has eternal purpose. But sanctification has earthly purpose behind it. And the purpose for the sanctification is because God is looking for a people that look like him in the earth. He is looking for a people that are one spirit with him in the earth. God is looking for a people that he can say, look at them, that's who I am. God's looking for a people that he can say, take note of them. That's the way I would act. Take note of them. That's the way I would respond. Take note of them. That's the way I think. Take note of them. That's what I do. God's looking for a people like that. And so if we look at Matthew chapter 5, we understand the reason for our sanctification. Matthew chapter 5, and they're very common scriptures, it just says simply this. You're the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So he's saying to these people, you're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. What is salt? For the most part, it's a seasoning. It's a seasoning, right? You are the ones... That are supposed to be seasoning the earth. You are the ones that have been placed to season the people of the earth. You're the ones that are supposed to be seasoning. And it also says salt is a preservative. You're the ones that are supposed to season it and preserve it with that seasoning on it. You're the ones. You're the ones. You're the people. You're the people that can add salt to something that's bland. You're the one that can add preservative of something that's going to spoil. You're the one that can do it. You're the one. Now, I want you to know, he's talking to multitudes of people here, and they would be at varieties of levels of connection with him just like we are. Just like we are. There's a variety of different connections with God in this room. Some are acquainted, and some, it's their breath. And that doesn't matter. He's speaking these words to people at a variety of different spiritual levels. Just like we're saying it in this room today. It doesn't matter the spiritual level you're at. Understand this, you're called to be salt. You're called to be salt. And then he goes on to say, you are the light of the world, A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So now we have to understand, we are the ones with light and illumination. The whole world falls under darkness. And here we are, the light bearers. We are to be the light bearers, okay? God is looking for a church to put before the world that will declare who God is. This is who God is. This is who God is. Okay? All right. So we as salt and light become his examples. Now, I'm going to give you some phrases the Spirit of the Lord has given me about this. If the church becomes mingled with sin and unsanctified, the standard for God in the earth is lost. If the church becomes mingled with sin and unsanctified, the standard for God in the earth is lost. Who is going to invoke truth in the midst of falsehood? Who is going to invoke light in the midst of darkness? Well, Pastor Jerry will do it. That's not the way this works, people. That's not the way this works. Here's another one. When the church loses its standard, it has lost its convicting power in the earth. It's lost its convicting power. When the church loses its standard of how we're to live, we've lost the convicting power. All right? Am I are you doing okay? All right. And then he gave me this uh, definition of tolerance. Eliminating the consequence of sin without eliminating the sin. Should I say that again? Tolerance is eliminating the consequence of sin without eliminating the sin, thereby creating an acceptance of sin where sanctification becomes unimportant. Okay? But the problem with that is the unsanctified have walls of containment that there cannot be a reflection of God in the earth okay and remember God is hungry to use you as demonstration of his goodness and greatness God has an appetite that not one out there should be lost God has an appetite that the captive be free God has an appetite That those in bondage are liberated. God has an appetite that those that are chained with addiction, chained with deception, chained with inferiority, chained chained with inhibition. He has a desire and a plan to get them free. But he has to have a people free to get another people free. He has to have that. His desire is for liberation. His desire is for freedom. His desire is for greatness. He loved mankind. God loved mankind so much that he not only gave his life, but he's looking for a people that will also give their life. Is what he's looking for. Hallelujah. See, God has always had an answer in the earth for darkness. He has always had an answer, but that answer always came in the form of men and women of God. When Nebuchadnezzar is raising up an idol and say, let's all worship this, he had an answer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was his answer in the earth that said, we will not bow. And here we have all these people falling prey to this evil dictate by Nebuchadnezzar, and they're all yielding, they're all bowing, and yet he has an answer, because it was wrong. You do not worship Nebuchadnezzar and his great statue. You worship the Lord God, but he had an answer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, we will not bow. And They said, we're going to throw you into the furnace. He said, you can throw us in the furnace, it doesn't matter, God's able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow and that was God's answer in the earth at the time. Then what happens? Well, we all got to start honoring the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because he does marvelous things. What about Daniel trying to trip him up, throw him into the lion's den? Oh, great king, may, may you live forever is what Daniel said. The king says, all right, Everybody against Daniel and his God. Throw him into the lion's den. And we're all going to worship the true God from now on. He had an answer. But the answer always came in the form of a people. It always came in the form of a people. He always had a good that would conquer evil. He always had an incorruptible that would conquer corruption. But it always came from within a people. It always does. Hallelujah. And those ones that were so one with him, that were set apart, sanctified in Daniel's life, we see that especially. So one with him that they knew the purpose of God is more important than my dream, my, my ambition, my comfort, and my casualness. Because he, they took on the mandate of heaven because they were sanctified in life, joined to him without walls. See, it's not about getting God to do what we want him to do. It's about doing what God desires to do. Amen? Um, I don't know who it is. One of my kids could probably tell me. I'm probably going to. But, and I will probably botch this. But there is a statement from a statesman that something like this. Evil prevails when good people do nothing. Close, right? Okay, thank you. Hallelujah. But that's, and we have to understand the reason God is calling us into sanctified life is because he wants us to be the answer for evil. He wants us to be the answer for darkness. He wants us to be the answer for all the destructive things in life. Amen. So within closing then, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 16. Say this with me. I have, More authority authority than I think I have. have. Say this, I have have more authority authority than I think I I have. have. Say this, I have have more authority authority than I am using now. You have more authority. You are blood bought. You are saved You are delivered. Colossians 1 tells us he took you out of the kingdom of darkness and planted you into the kingdom of the son of his love. He took you out of darkness. You are extraordinary. You are not common. You are not made for ordinary lives. Isn't that what it said? Regardless of your condition, you can pray and shake kingdoms. You can speak and alter destinies. You can declare a thing and it be established. But we have to understand who we are and who we represent. Because if you don't understand, you represent the most high, you'll go in your own strength and be disappointed. Go as God leads. Do as God says because we are crushing the powers of darkness, not only in this nation, but around this world. We will not live with evil and darkness any longer, as long as I'm here, bless God. And I mean that. People that pray with me every week know that. And they have just come alongside. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 16. And in this passage of scripture, um, Peter has said a great thing. You're the Christ, the son of the living God, right? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, he says to you, blessed are you, Simon, Berjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Then it goes on to say, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my What's it say? On this rock, this revelation that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, I'll build my... What's he building? What's he building? He's building a church. Are you part of that that he's building? We are part of the church that he's building. And here's the promise. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Against what? The gates of hell will not prevail against what? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You're part of that. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. But then he says this, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The bottom line is this. I'm going to give you the keys. What you permit is permitted. What you, what you re, uh, refuse is refused. You're operating in two places. You're operating in the kingdom of the earth as getting command for the kingdom of heaven. And because of this non-prevailing ability of darkness, I want you to go and I want you to loose things And I want you to bind things. And whatever you loose will be loosed. Whatever you bind will be bound. Sometimes it gets confusing because it's not always loosing good things and binding evil things. If you have a splinter, you don't bind it. You loose it. But if you have a wound, you don't loose it. You bind it. See, it's key that we hear the instructions of heaven what needs to be loosed and what needs to be bound, all right? But he's saying, this is what you are. This is who you are. And it's interesting, it goes on. And in that passage of Scripture, remember, later on, then Peter has another epiphany when Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to suffer. And Peter has an epiphany and says, oh, no, you're not. And this was a situation. Jesus turned around and said, get behind me, Satan. Why did he say that? Because he knew those words could get in him and then the devil would have something in him. He wouldn't let those words get in him. See, and what we have to understand that a sanctified life means we don't let things in us, don't let it in us that will hinder our binding and loosing ability. Don't let things in us that allow walls to be built. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, This was the phrase. I'm going to end with this. And he asked me, this was the question the Spirit of the Lord gave me. Are you looking for a Christianity you can live with or a Christianity that changes the world? Are you looking for a Christianity that you can live with or a Christianity that changes the world? Because this is, this is who God's got. In this room, this is who God's got. This is who God's got. This is what God's got. What a ragtag bunch of somethings, aren't we? You know, this is what he's got. It is what it is. You know, you don't even know what color my hair really is. You know what I mean? We, we're, just, we're just who we are. Here we are. But this is the best. He calls us champions. He calls us the mighty ones. He calls us the great deliverers. He calls us those things. You know, Moses didn't want to go because he stuttered. Some of us might stutter. Some of us might stumble. Some of us might have difficulties. Some of us might have pains. Some of us might have inhibitions. Some of us might have fears. But still, he looks on us and calls us a champion. He's a God of faith. Amen. He's not concerned about your condition. He just doesn't want walls that cause inhibition. Amen. And so we have to understand that we're after a Christianity that changes the world. Now, I have to say this, that some in this place are so hungry for that, that they're wondering what's taking so long. Some, of, some in this room might be saying, well, that's so far off, it's not even accomplishable. All I'm going to say is stay connected and watch what he can do. Hallelujah. We need as much perseverance and patience as we can pull at this time. Amen. We are winners in Christ, not because of our ability, but because of his. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet?